does it ever seem to you like the Resident Evil movie, whoever's making the next one, always kind of regrets what they did at the end of the previous one? Yes, every single time, because they just ignore it. <laughs> or immediately do away with it. Yes. Like, well, okay, we did set it up, but now that's all done with. Yes, and I can already tell that's going to immediately happen with the next one. It's almost like no one had a game plan when they were writing this series. Almost. Our only chance for survival is finding the source of this signal. This is Arcadia. We offer safety and security, food and shelter. Luther! Come on! The men responsible for this disaster took refuge underground. Umbrella Corporation feels safe. Everything is quiet here. They feel secure. They're wrong. Hey, boys. Is that any way to treat a lady? Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, a bad movie podcast. Where today we're talking about Resident Evil Afterlife. Yes. I got it right. And they're the, all meaningless. Yeah, exactly. The The fourth one, starring Mila Jovovich, Wentworth Miller, Kim Coates, Allie Larder. And also Paul W.S. Anderson is back in the director chair. Thank goodness. I know. Now I know we're in safe hands. Yeah. <laughs> and we continue on with some elements of the plot, bafflingly, but not others. The things we thought got resolved in the last movie didn't. That's every single movie. It's like, well, this villain got defeated. No, they didn't. And also the Acadia thing. Mm-hmm. Why, why let a good plot line go? Yeah, the, the alleged safe haven in Alaska. Yeah. Which, of course, you hear that in a movie and you're like, well, that's not real. Or it will immediately get overrun by zombies. Exactly. Or, yeah, yeah. This is the same thing that The Walking Dead would do. Yeah. A lot of these same plot beats. I'm not saying that they stole a lot of their plot beats from Resident Evil, <laughs> but they do share some, which makes me suspicious. Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> we start out with, this is the credits are rolling. We jump back in time to the beginning of the zombie apocalypse in Japan. There is a sexily dressed woman standing in the middle of a busy sidewalk with lots of people holding umbrellas walking around her. They use that for good effect. And I gotta say, if you see someone standing like this, especially in the pouring rain, they are either about to assassinate everyone in sight or they are a zombie already. Yeah, because she kind of looks like she's either a zombie or super strung out. Yeah. Either way, you shouldn't just walk by. Turn around. Which everyone does. Everyone ignores her, except one middle-aged guy, I guess, who kind of looks at her like, what's your deal? And, of course, she immediately attacks him. Yep. I guess maybe maybe that was the key. Maybe if everyone had just kept walking by and not made eye contact. Yeah, maybe. Well, everyone else runs away screaming. <laughs> and then we pan out of the city and see the world going dark. My name is Alice. I worked for the Umbrella Corporation in a secret laboratory developing experimental viral weaponry. There was an incident, a virus escaped, everybody died. Trouble was, they didn't stay dead. This was the start of an apocalypse that would sweep the entire world. The men responsible for this disaster took refuge underground and continued to experiment with the deadly T-virus. They felt secure in their high-tech fortress. But they were wrong. And I love that she says that like someone told her to read it as fast as possible. They were like, look, we have to do this, but everyone's bored. Everyone already knows this. Right. This is for the three people that haven't seen the previous films. Yeah. Then we get a sign that says four years later, although it's one year after the previous movie. So confusing, but whatever. We see two Japanese snipers who were killed by... Zombies? Question mark. I think one of them, after he shoots some, snipes a zombo, says Biohazard Terminated. Biohazard is what the video games were called in, in Japan. Did yours have subtitles for the Japanese bits? Or you just no, heard what he didn't. said? No, I think he said that in English. Oh, okay. I was about to be feel cheated. Yeah, no, we were confused. They, they touched just enough in Japanese 
for us to turn subtitles on and be like, wait, is the movie broken that we're watching? <laughs> you don't expect Resident Evil to be the type of movie that's like, we're not going to do subtitles for the foreign bits. Yeah. People just, won't care. Exactly. The death of the snipers is of great concern to the Japanese Umbrella Division. Which, I guess, is also their headquarters? It is their headquarters, because Albert Wesker is there, for some reason, uh, looking more like Max Headroom than ever (laughs) with his hair. Yes. Yeah, it is confusing that that was all of a sudden their headquarters, because previous... Wait, was Al... uh, No, wait. Albert Wesker was never present physically in the other ones, was he? He was just a hologram? Yeah, and at first I thought he was a hologram in this one... But I guess he wasn't. The other person was the hologram. Which other person? Somebody was reporting into him that some snipers had been killed, and he was like, when did this happen? And they said, half an hour ago. And they're like, you're just telling me now? So I guess I assumed that it was a hologram reporting in. I think that guy, I think both of them were real. He was like, I didn't want to bother you. Well, he wanted to be bothered, so that was a poor decision. See, this is why you can't be a super scary manager that might murder people, though, because then everyone's scared to do anything. Yeah. What if it wasn't a thing you wanted to be bothered about? Well, it's too late. They're already under attack, but not by zombies, by an army of Alice clones. Who, I don't know what they're doing to attack these people, but... Although, to be fair, the zombie attack at first was the same way, too. Apparently, as soon as you attack a human body, they're just bags of blood. Like, (laughs) blood starts shooting out of their mouths immediately. (laughs) Thank you. You finally understand. Yeah. At least twice that's happened so far. Yes. And they seem to be proficient in samurai swords, telekinesis, and guns. Yes. Their main, main forms of fighting. Yeah. The telekinesis was a bit of a surprise, and they, I felt, didn't use it enough. Yeah, don't save that for the last. Why don't you just use it immediately? And throughout. Yeah. Why did only one Alice clone use it? Yeah, you could have just brought the whole building down. Surely it's underground, like the other ones. It would have been easy, mm-hmm. probably. Well, they eventually overwhelm the facility with a lot of gunfire, gadgets, and very cool slow motion shots. <laughs> Then we get one of my favorite lines in the film from Albert Wesker. Lock down all elevators. Seal all internal glass doors. And I want damage reports. <laughs> I didn't even notice it. It's like the most sinister way of asking that. Like so dramatic. Especially because I feel like damage reports are something like a harried middle manager asked for during an emergency. It seems like it because shouldn't you wait to see if there's even like anything left to salvage before you get that? Yeah. Oddly, this facility doesn't seem to have much of an internal security system. Was it no. the Red Queen failed in one, so we're just done trying? She kept saying, you're all going to die down here, and it just didn't happen. So (laughs) why do we need her? But I feel like a fighting force and laser walls may have been effective against the Alice clones. I think they're too strong now. Well, I guess so. Anyway, Wesker escapes in a plane, leaving the facility to self-destruct behind him and killing the Alices inside. Because... We don't want an Alice clone army, <laughs> right. really. We don't want to deal with it. It's no. too much responsibility, too much... They're too powerful. Yeah, it takes it in a completely different direction. Then it's an army movie. You yeah. don't want it. Exactly. But one Alice is on the plane with him. This is the original Alice, who we can easily identify through her dyed hair. And it's shorter. Yes. When she threatens him, he injects her with something that takes away her superpowers. Oh, girl. This is why you just shoot him from far away when you're, like, halfway down the plane from him. And he's turned away from you. Yeah. Because guess what? You didn't need to come up and put it right to his head. Just so you could get your lines in. Well, as it turns out, she probably would have needed to do that because he has the superpowers that she does. He's been injected with the same thing. That is true. Although, I'm not sure if she could have been killed. Have we seen her get shot directly in the head? I don't think so. So, question mark as to whether he would have survived. Well, no, he no, would No, there's have. not a question mark. Because we, we see, see later yeah. that that doesn't work. Well, anyway. Him. So then he beats her up with his own superpowers, because he's super strong. Although, if she's just a normal human being, she, you know, she's probably uh, suffered quite a bit of a shock from yeah. her body. She'd probably be pretty easy to beat up again anyway. Seriously. But she thanks him for making her human again. Just as he's about to kill her, the plane crashes in a fiery explosion. Yeah, he forgot that you're flying in Japan where there's mountains, and then also no one's flying a plane anymore. 
But somehow, Alice survives this, even though she no longer has her superpowers. We don't need to ask how. Yeah, we see her walking away from the burning wreckage. And the explosion that I saw when the plane crashed, no ordinary human being could have survived. That was all at the front of the plane. The back of the plane where Alice was, was fine. She was capable of walking away on her own, and she didn't have a single burn mark mark on her. Yeah. (laughs) What are you confused about? Oh, goodness. Okay, if you have a problem with that, the whole rest of this movie is going to be a huge problem (laughs) for you. (laughs) So six months later, we hear the radio message from the last movie, and Alice catches us up again. Well, I took revenge on Umbrella. The last handful of survivors took a chopper to safety. They were headed for a town in Alaska called Arcadia. We'd received radio transmissions from there. They offered food and shelter, safety and security, a haven free of infection. She's flying a plane to Acadia, Alaska, but sees no signs of life. When she lands, she sees rows and rows of small passenger planes that have been left there, including the helicopter Claire took from the last movie, Claire, who was like the head of the little band, mm-hmm. and the journal that they had to show them the way. Can I point out that on one page it just says, way to go, treacle? Does it? Yes, I rewound it. <laughs> I guarantee that was a joke from the art department. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know it had to be, but I want to know what the joke was. <laughs> it's so weird. Oh my gosh. No one's around the planes, and Alice is worried that she's the last living human. As she records her thoughts on camera, though, she sees a figure run by in the background. She chases after it and discovers it's Claire. But barely recognizable. She's so dirty and feral. She has amnesia. Dun dun dun! (laughs) Classic. And she attacks Alice. Mm -hmm. Alice knocks her out and discovers a strange device over her heart. It kind of looks like a large red gemstone with metal spider legs. Right. It's a little mechano bug. She removes it without even knowing if it would hurt her to have it removed. Just rips it off her. She's probably gotten way too used to nothing being able to hurt her. It'd be hard to go back from that. Well, she's used to other people being fragile, surely. I mean, she just rips it off her. She doesn't even know what it does. And it's right over her heart. I this know. could have easily killed well, her. Well, it's not right over her heart. It's right over well, her Well, breastbone, we, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in this movie, that was probably over her heart. Yeah, exactly. It probably was. When Claire regains consciousness, Alice tries to ask her about what it is and who did it to her, but she doesn't know, of course. She also doesn't know anything about why she's there or who she was with or even her own name or really the ability to talk. I mean... At this point. Alice flies them down the western seaboard, hoping to run into other survivors. Can I point out that Claire's hands are tied? She's starting to get her memory back, but you can tell that she's been tied up this whole time because Alice doesn't trust her. And yet her makeup is done. Well, she knows that a woman needs her respect. Yeah. (laughs) By having full makeup. And being given a bit of a wash, too. Yeah. Alice also has apparently discovered, through her acute observation, through wild speculation, through some method, that the device was injecting Claire with a drug that causes memory loss. I feel like that's just wild speculation. She immediately comes to this conclusion, (laughs) and guess what? She's right. And she's right. It's also baffling to me that there is a drug that causes extreme amnesia, That needs to be continually given. Yeah, with no other horrifying side effects, that seems unlikely. I mean, I can imagine there being a drug that prevented you from forming short-term memory. Yeah. But that wouldn't account for the fact that she doesn't even remember her own name. Yeah, exactly. So weird. Yeah. She should probably also be a drooling mess right now, because her brain has been so destroyed. They land in Los Angeles, where Alice sees a large sign that says, Help me, on top of the prison, which is surrounded by zombies. She lands on the roof, and everyone's super impressed by both her skills and her gumption in landing the plane. Including a very insane-looking Kim Coates. Yes. I'm not saying he doesn't always look insane, because he does, but here he looks like... Something reminded me of Robert England, which is never good. (laughs) They almost go off the edge of the roof, but Angel, one of the survivors, strings a wire in front of them, and Luther West, our new eye candy, leaps into the air and grabs the tail of the plane to stop it from tipping forward. And pulls it down. I guess he's heavy enough to do that. We don't 
need to understand why it worked. Yeah. While it's actively chipping off the edge of the building. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> so now we meet our new band of survivors, starting with Luther, who's kind of the leader, who is a former NBA player. Then there's Angel, who we don't get a backstory for. Mostly muscle. Seems yeah. like a practical guy with a lot of know-how. Yeah. There's Bennett, who's an obnoxious former producer. That's the one played by Kim Coates. Oh, gosh. I didn't ever really even learn his name. Well, and they also have, like, I get it. People in Hollywood resent producers, and producers are an easy target to pick on, but, like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, this guy was a caricature. Real skis bag. Yeah. There's Kim, who is Bennett's old assistant. Crystal is a wannabe actress and waitress. Former waitress, I guess. Yeah. Former wannabe actress and former waitress. <laughs> yeah, Everyone's exactly. former. And there's also a guy named Wendell, who's a middle-aged white guy we'll meet later, who also has no real backstory. Doesn't need one. He gets a, enough of a backstory later that no one cares. <laughs> I don't really backstory as much as a character trait. Yeah, I guess a character trait. <laughs> I, guess what, I guess what happens is he does a thing in the present. <laughs> Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I don't care about him anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They've also been getting the radio messages from Acadia, which, as it turns out, is not a town in Alaska, but a ship that is conveniently sitting right offshore. Can I point out, if Acadia wants people to go to it, shouldn't they have said that? They really should What have. is wrong with you? Nobody would assume it's a giant ship. Because I'm pretty sure when they first received the signal, they weren't anywhere near a coastline. Yeah, no, they were in the desert. So why would they assume, although maybe it was that she found the journal? I, now I don't remember. Anyway, you should be clear as to where to find you. Because also, if you're a moving ship, that means people need to to j jigger up a radio. Right? Yeah. Although we will later see that they must have been trying to get people to go to that area in Alaska. I at mean, some point because there are all of those planes that were there uh -huh. and that were there were no people well we'll see later that's but true yeah. very confusing just in general very confusing so much of this movie is very confusing and not explained <laughs> but see it's not confusing until you start thinking about no, it no it isn't like if you just let it if you just go with it it doesn't matter it's just a fun enjoyable zombie kill yeah exactly but like we cannot stress enough we really like these movies right <laughs> but as soon as you start thinking about any of it you realize that the screenwriters were just saying things right the survivors thought that Alice was sent from the ship to come get them. Which is bonkers, can I just say. <laughs> she can barely land on this roof. She almost destroyed the plane doing it. It's a two-seater. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. Well, they didn't think that through. I, well, you know what? If I was in their situation, I might not either, so there. Yeah. Um, well, they're very disappointed because she's not. And they've been trying to contact it for a long time. So they're concerned by the fact that the messages stopped two days ago. Claire suddenly remembers, as we'll find, her memory flashes are very convenient. <laughs> suddenly remembers that when they arrived in Alaska, some boats came up to the beach to help them, but she can't remember anything after that. So that's why, on some level, they must have known people were going to go there, up to Alaska. That is true. Yeah. That night at the prison, we see that it's also filled with zombies, but they can't get up to cell block B. I don't understand why, but it, they can't. So, as they're eating, Alice tries to figure out how to escape, since only two people can fit in the plane. Crystal starts to say something, but is interrupted by Luther, so Alice is immediately suspicious. Don't worry, this isn't actually a secret. Luther immediately tells her. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, I mean, I just didn't want to get your hopes up. But, since you asked. So, he tells her that the prisoners were released, so their gang used the prison as a stronghold, and they thought it was abandoned, but there was actually one last prisoner. So he takes her to see him, but Wendell, who's guarding him in his big plastic box, which, why why wouldn't he be in a regular jail cell? Isn't that insane? This is like a Magneto-style prison. Yeah, it's weird. And someone has to sit there and watch him at all times? Apparently. What? Apparently it's mostly Wendell, because to be fair, he's the one that looks most like a prison guard already. And also he's the most boring and the worst. Yeah. Well, Kim Coates is pretty bad, but... Well, he's less interesting than Kim Coates. Yeah. But Wendell tells Luther that he heard movement in the walls, so Luther wants to go check it out, so they leave her alone with him. The prisoner is Wentworth Miller, who just can't catch a break. You know what he can catch, though? A tone of voice where he is flirting every single time he opens his mouth. <laughs> he can't stop. Well... 
It's a cross he has to bear. It doesn't matter what they're talking about. They're going on a plan that might kill everyone. He's... He's acting like it's the sexiest thing that's ever happened. He can't stop himself from that. It's just natural <laughs> talent he has. I know. And so his name is Chris. And the flirtatious tone of voice really makes him seem both affable and mildly threatening. Yeah, he seems like a weird predator. Yeah. Which is kind of the way he acted in Prison Break a lot of the time, too. That and the true. way he acted in Joan of Arcadia. And anything well, that I've seen him... Well, that. But that's what it worked. He yeah. seemed both charming but mildly threatening. Where you're like, yeah. oh, I like you, but are you? do you have sinister intentions? He's just it's a talent he has. He's really good at acting that way. It's true. He says he's working for the military, which got stationed there to fight zombies. When the unit pulled out, he got attacked by the prisoners and stuck in the cage. Because I guess they were actively on their way out, so no one, maybe they thought he was killed by a zombie and didn't go back for him. I don't know. Yeah. But somehow they were actively being pulled out while the prisoners were being released, so the prisoners could stick him in the cage. I don't know, man. I can tell you, Carlos from the other movies would never have left him there. <laughs> Good old Carlos. Oh, I uh, miss him. I know. Well, he also claims to know a way out, importantly, for this story. <laughs> yeah. Also, isn't it like, the first thing he says. Probably. He also says that in prison break. Oh, he, gets put in, <laughs> he gets put in prison. He's just, I know a way out. He here. always both is stuck in prison, but knows, knows a, way a way out, out. of prison. <laughs> Luther comes back and they leave, I guess, having found nothing. Uh, and they leave Chris in his cage. And Luther says he can tell the man's a killer by looking into his eyes. He doesn't seem bothered, though, when Alice shows him her impressive collection of weapons. And these are close-up weapons. These are, like, yeah. requiring a familiarity with blood and gore. Well, and if you can tell people are killers when you look in their eyes, what, you're just fine when you look at Alice? That was her point. She's yeah. like, oh, you can, can you? And then she rolls out all her weapons, and she's like, and he's like, yeah. oh, that's crazy. Well, I'm gonna go to bed. Call me if you need anything. It's cool, because you're a hot white girl. Yeah. <laughs> Who I hasn't have, attacked me yeah, already. I, I can't feel threatened by you. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, she's, she's also playing around with these quarters. She has a collection of quarters, and he's like, what, do, what are those for? And she's like, it's a hobby of mine. It's not. No, it's not. It's we see her later using them in shotguns. Stuff them into shotguns, and they're very dangerous. That's yeah. Wendell is somehow still on guard duty, even though when Luther showed up, he's like, it's about time. I know. No, you're it's not actually getting through, relieved. Yeah, it's halfway through my 12-hour shift. <laughs> yeah, so he hears noises in the wall again, and he goes to check it out. Which, oh my but goodness. But not really. He it's doesn't. for sure filled with zombies. What is wrong with any of you? Leave right now. Well, he doesn't, and I thought he was going to go check it out and be killed by zombies. That's not actually what happens. He goes, stands up, and kind of listens more closely, and then the camera pans to the floor of the bathroom, yep. where we hear some noise, and that's it. That's all, just foreshadowing. We cut away to the next morning where a cloaked figure is dragging a huge axe through the streets. This guy. If you think, if you think this is going to be the boss fight, you were wrong. I know. First of all, yes, I did. <laughs> Second of all, he's walking down the street looking like a Cenobite. He looks completely insane. Like <laughs> he's Pinhead or something. Yeah. And also, this is the kind of thing that in a video game, you don't have to explain this. But in this movie, I want to know who made his custom-made outfit. <laughs> I want to know who made the three foot nails that are on his back. And he's like, like seven or eight feet tall. Yeah, he he for sure. Yeah, that's not a stretch to say. Yes, says like seven and a half feet. And he has these insane custom made weapons. Like, where did he get those? Did Albert Wesker make them for him? And also, yeah, was this a somebody that was created by Umbrella Corps? And if so, why is he just wandering around the streets of L.A.? Because we never ever in this movie get. We do pull out to satellites like Alice is still being watched, but nobody ever indicates that they have acted. For one thing, no one, we never see anyone actually watching Alice. So no. I don't know if this is just a satellite up there recording stuff or what, but we also never get the idea that anyone's sending this in because of Alice. Yeah, no confirmation on that ever. So he's just there. Yeah. And the zombies all just move out of his way. I know, they are They're kind fine of coordinated. Yeah, so he's known as the Axeman. Um, in the video games, he's known as the Executioner, I think. He looks like one. He has an Executioner's hood on. Yeah. But in this, he's known as the Axeman. No one ever actually calls him anything. But I will be calling him Axeman. 
So, got it. That's the thing. In the prison, Alice is about to take a shower when she hears a noise. In spite of what you might think from the last movies, she actually keeps all her clothes on to go check it out. (laughs) There's no nudity in this movie. Uh, She's not even, like, taking her shirt off and she's in a bra and that's it. Like, I was kind of impressed because this would have been a great opportunity for her to half stripped and then she hears a noise and she goes to check it out. I mean, I'm sure Mila was bummed about it. Well... I mean, to be fair, I was a little too, but <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was an admirable show of restraint from exactly. Paul W.S. Anderson. That's right. To show off his hot wife. Yeah. Well, actually, I think this was after she had her first kid, so maybe she, there oh, was still some, like, stuff be. from with that. Plus, if she had a C-section or something. Yeah, exactly. Although they could have easily fixed that in post. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is also the movie where they stopped... Um, weirdly smoothing out her face. Yeah, so she looks like a real human being. Yeah, I much prefer it. Yeah. Well, the noise is just Wendell peeping, <laughs> so that's why no one cares. Exactly. About him. <laughs> now it turns out he's a gross peeping Tom. Yeah. But as she confronts him, they get attacked by face sucking zombies that come from the sewers. I feel like <laughs> there is a toss off line to try and explain why these zombies have mutated the way they have. Is there? But there's really. I feel like I remember something, but if there is, it cannot possibly explain why the zombies from the sewers, for one thing, why there are zombies that seem to live exclusively in the sewers. Yeah. And also... Well, they also seem to be smarter, because they come out of the floor, and then they do what they're doing, and then they leave. Yeah, so... Well, some might say smarter, and some might say convenienter. <laughs> um, these zombies have mutated to all of them, identically, to where their mouths kind of come out in fours. Like, in, yeah. like they have four parts to like, it. Like a octopus predator mouth yes. sort of thing. So these are called Maginis, and they are from Resident Evil 5, the game. They are not actually zombies. They are infected by... Again, in this, they are just zombies that look different. Because no one ever explains them. Right. In the game, they are infected by a parasite that was developed by a rival company. So... Man, this world cannot catch a break. They, they really can't. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's... You just see these plant mouth people everywhere now. Yeah. So they kill Wendell, but Alice kills the rest. At a group meeting, they decide their only course of action is to release Chris so he can show them his escape route. And look... Honestly, they should have done this a long time ago. I don't know why they thought that this guy... Because here's the deal. Into the world, zombies everywhere, your only safety is going to be in numbers as a survivor. So unless they think that this guy, Chris, is some sort of sadistic serial killer who just wants to murder them for the sheer pleasure of murdering them, why wouldn't they assume that he would be fine with being part of their band, even if he wasn't going to be some sort of loyal, I'll die for you member. Yeah, but at least for a little while, I mean, he wants to get out too. Yeah, he wants to get out and he doesn't want to be killed by zombies. He has no reason to kill you. Yeah. So, kind of weird. But thankfully, the plot has forced them into a position where (laughs) they have to release him. At first, he's awfully smug about the whole deal. Although, I mean, is he ever not smug? Well, that's one of his defining character traits. Yeah, he was smug even at, while he was locked in prison. <laughs> yeah, it's the way Wentworth Miller rolls. Yeah. But then he sees Claire, who he knows. She doesn't recognize him, of course, even though he is her brother. Gasp! Anyone who played the video games already knows that Chris and Claire Redfield are siblings. Yes. So this would have been a shock only to people like me who wouldn't have seen the movie, or who wouldn't have played the video games. Yeah, because I think in one of the early games, she goes to the city looking for him. Because Chris is one of the player, Chris and Jill Valentine are the original, are the original player characters in the first game. Yeah. Chris takes them to the prison's armor-plated vehicle. So his whole escape plan is there's an armor-plated vehicle that's being held in the prison that was used for crowd control. I don't know. I guess in case of a riot. That was it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As it turns out, they, I guess because of the zombies, never found it. I mean, it was locked in a room, but they've had nothing but time on their hands. That's the thing. It seems unlikely they wouldn't have looked in every single room by now. Yeah. So he takes them to the armor-plated vehicle, which can plow through the zombie hordes. 
And he also tells them about his unit's armory in the basement, which is currently filled with water. It kind of is and kind of isn't. It's really just the corridor that connects the basement to where they are is filled with water, which yeah. I have to say is a weird design choice for the prison. So this means that the way the prison is designed, there's a building that's accessible only through a corridor that's lower than it. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It also seems really unlikely that a federal project would rely on constantly working pumps to keep water out of the building. Yeah, see, maybe it was a shoddy design, which I could believe if a federal project, especially for a prison, and they had to add the pumps in later. <laughs> well, yeah, that's believable. Whatever the answer is, we don't know. We don't go into it. Yeah. We could have used some history here, Chris, but it's fine. <laughs> They've got a ticking clock, though, because the Axeman's shown up at the prison gates and is trying to knock them down. And it seems odd that he hasn't already done that, so... Yeah, so Luther and Claire, during this whole thing, they're kind of divided up at this point, and Luther and Claire spend their time trying to shore up the gates, also with things like Axeman in the head, which does nothing. Yeah, when moving like an abandoned car in front of the, I don't know. They're just they're just doing stuff, yeah. just so you know. Why not? The three that we will be following are Alice, Chris, and Crystal. Crystal was a high school swim champ, and Alice and Chris are just plain awesome. So they can easily swim for several minutes with no oxygen. And I guess like you need extra hands to haul stuff because otherwise I don't so see why you being a swim champ means that you need to go how are you going to help so I know because I thought that meant she would go and that's not the case it's that all of them go and she's just one of them and Chris, Crystal but I, I assume since they're trying to get weapons for everyone yeah I guess so however also let's hope that all of these weapons are waterproof guess what they are don't worry well actually that never comes up because so what happens is they reach the other side of the underwater corridor with basically no problem. And then Crystal is immediately seized by sewer zombies and <laughs> oh killed. Oh gosh, it's really funny actually. So it didn't even matter that she was the swim champ. It's, she did nothing to help with this situation. I know, it's so funny. She goes and she's like, I can be helpful. And then as soon as they get out of the water, she gets chomped. Yeah, so... We have no idea why she was brought along. She served no story purpose, except maybe they just wanted a way to kill off Crystal because we're slowly killing more off like what it was. our band of survivors. Also, these sewer zombies waited politely for them to emerge from the water, even though they're in the water. Yeah, and there were so many of them, yeah. it turns out. Alice and Chris go into where the armory is, and they grab weapons, and they're like, well, we can't go back that way. It's filled with sewer zombies, as it turns out. <laughs> so they go leave, leave through the air ducts, so the weapons don't have to be waterproof. Not that they would have known that when they chose to go the other way. Also, Al this is not the first time Alice has had to go through air ducts, so I'm kind of surprised she didn't think of that as an option before. Yeah, also, I guess all of Alice's weapons that she has on her are waterproof. They all still work. True. And Alice is also having a lot of confidence that she can navigate air ducts to get them right back where they need to be. She can. <laughs> Meanwhile, Angel, Bennett, and Kim, our last three survivors, break into where the tank is, but the engine is outside of the tank, presumably for repairs. It was just kind of hanging. Yeah, there. I guess so. It was hanging in a way that made me think they were working on it. So Bennett shoots Angel and takes Kim to the plane so that they can escape. Why does he shoot Angel? Because... he doesn't want anyone else to escape? Because the plane can only hold two people. Oh, okay. So he doesn't want Angel to stop him. But I thought Angel said that he could fix the tank. I, Was I wrong? He may have said that. Okay. I don't remember him saying it, but Maybe he, he said, have. I can't fix this. I don't know. Who knows? But Bennett has decided that the only way out <laughs> is through the plane, and the plane can only hold two people, so he kills Angel and takes Kim, and they go up to where the plane is. Kim still has a conscience, though, so even yeah, though he followed not, him all the way up to the plane... He's he, not into this. Yeah, he he's doesn't want to leave the shock. others. He's covered in blood. Well, true. <laughs> he doesn't want to leave the others, and they're arguing about it when Alice and Chris appear to try and stop him. I don't know why they go up there. Maybe that's where the air ducts took them, although I think Claire also goes up there. Yes, Claire does end up there also. A bunch of people go up there for some reason, Oh, I think Luther's up there, too. Luther is with Claire. So a bunch of people go up there for some reason, even though how <laughs> did you know what was happening? Yeah, you couldn't have. Well, whatever. 
Bennett freaks out because he just wants to escape, and now they're here trying to stop him from taking the plane. So he just takes off without Kim. Thankfully, everyone knows how to fly a plane. Yep, can't be that hard. Well, he doesn't do great, actually, with... He almost crashes. Well, he does pretty well, though, because... The plane at first starts going down and kind of skims the ground, and then he pulls it out. Yeah. So that's, you know, pretty good. Yeah. And then he flies off to Acadia. They're attacked by a zombie swarm on the roof, because I guess the gates got broken into. Yeah, I think so. Which gives Alice a chance to show off her skills, even though they're significantly less impressive now that she's mostly human. So good job, guys. Still, she does sacrifice herself so that the others can get away in the elevator. But because she's the main character, she doesn't die... She sets off some grenades, jumps off the roof, and swings Tarzan-style to the courtyard to meet the others. That's right. They come up with an alternate escape route through the tunnel that the sewer zombies created, and they start to leave just as the Axeman shows up for his big fight with Alice. And let me tell you, she is seriously outclassed. She is. He immediately beats her up. He kills Kim immediately and quickly knocks out Alice. So it's Claire's time to shine. Mm-hmm. And this is in the bathroom. So he destroys all the pipes so she gets to fight him with water raining down on them. Very cinematic. Yes. And lots of slow motion, of course. And she looks great doing it. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, though, I love that Alice is a human, but she can still jump like eight feet in the air to kick this guy in the face. Well, give him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's something a human can do. I mean, if they're trained. You know. <laughs> yeah. She manages to knock him down, but he gets back up because, Claire, you are not the protagonist of this franchise. True. So Alice regains consciousness <laughs> and shoots his previously bulletproof head off. Yeah, it just fly, pops right off. I, I think this is one of the shots with the quarter-filled gun. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't, still doesn't make any sense, but whatever. We're fine. Got the we never done. see him again, though, by the way. If you think that this guy's going to show up at the end of the movie for another fight... No. He is not. He's done. A little weird, because I really feel like when they set him up, it seemed like he was going to be the final fight. Right, because a lot of the big monsters have been like him before. Yeah. In the sewers, the men have apparently waited for them without being concerned about what was taking them so long. They found a way out, but Luther is unfortunately dragged away by sewer zombies. We hardly knew ye, Luther. If he had just not turned around and jumped, he wouldn't have been. Well, you know what? Uh, I'm not, no, I'm nothing. (laughs) Don't be a Lot's wife, Luther. (laughs) The remaining three take a small boat out to Acadia, which seems to be abandoned, except for Bennett's crashed plane. They enter the lower levels and find that the ship's running fine, but the lifeboats were dispatched three days ago. Hmm. Records show that there are still 2,000 survivors on board. They keep exploring and finally see an umbrella logo. Mm -hmm. And we realize this is all a plot. And also, even though now we've completely realized that this is a plot and we've basically realized what's happened, Claire regains some more memories to make it crystal clear for us. They were taken by Umbrella and the amnesia devices were attached to their chest. The ship is a trap. Right. And then she's like, we have to search every inch of this ship to find the survivors. Why don't you wait and see if... They're easy to find first. Yeah, so... It's not like you looked in the obvious places and they weren't there. I know. No, let's just start in the weird places. Yeah, let's start with the underbowl. Yeah. Okay, so I have a ton of questions already about this. Go One, on. how did Claire escape? Good question. And how did she hide from the Umbrella agents how who did, could have easily found her and subdued her? How did she even know to with no memory? When the lifeboats were dispatched, where did those people go? Presumably, they should have gone to Los Angeles, but we didn't see anybody there. Right? I guess they were eaten by zombies. I mean, probably. What do you think the ocean is at this point? It's probably just zombies. (laughs) Why does Umbrella seem so convinced that the right thing to do in this situation is to kill all the normal humans left or to use them for experiments? Isn't that insane? What's the point? I don't understand that. I don't understand. It's like they just want to be king of the zombies. Yeah. Because Albert Wesker, what's the point of being in charge if there's no people left? I don't get it. They're not, because they're also not trying to make things better. They're not trying to fix it. They're only actually trying to make things worse. And it's, there's no rational society at any point. It's not like the zombies are forming a new civilization, so we need to get rid of all the humans. No. No. And I have another question. What are the bugs for? The amnesia. That is the mechano bugs for. That is an excellent point. Why does everyone get attached with an amnesia device? Guys, they never explain it. (laughs) 
And most people that are wearing them are currently trapped on the ship, as we'll find out. Yeah, they're like frozen in little pods. So they don't need amnesia devices. No. It would only make sense if you were planning on releasing someone with information that would lead other people to you, like more of a trap. But that wasn't the case. It does explain it's possible, and I don't think they take advantage of this, actually, in in the movie, because we were wondering why there was a ship and a town in Alaska, and both were assumed to be Acadia. Mm-hmm. But it could be that they had multiple things that people would have interpreted to be Acadia, because if it's an effort by Umbrella, they would have relatively unlimited resources, Yeah. As long as it had the right name, they could lure people wherever they wanted. Yeah. I don't think that's what's supposed to have actually happened. (laughs) No, it's just a way to rationalize it. They find a huge white room, which we immediately know must be evil. Someone conveniently left a control device around for easy access so they can see the roster of survivors aboard and bring them out of their storage containers, which are in the ground. They're just in little tubes. Mm hmm. They're using them for nefarious experiments, including Kmart from the last movie, who I didn't care about. No one did. But who Claire passionately cares about. (laughs) Yes. Some of the storage containers are bloody, though, and Alice follows the blood trail through a set of doors without letting anyone know where she's going. So good job, Alice. Good job. Also, did this just happen? Because I did not see any blood smears in the all-white room, (laughs) and I feel like you would have seen it. I had that thought also, because it's kind of implied... I feel like it's implied that it... It happened before. It happened before. It happened two days ago. But the blood trail is also on the ground, not just on the tubes. It's on the ground. They would have seen it. But this is why everybody fled in the lifeboats. Yeah. So, good job, idiots. Very strange. Well, luckily, Chris sees the same blood trail and follows her. Because, Alice, you know better than to wander off on your own. I don't think she does. In an umbrella ship. Well, true. She has spent all of the last movies doing it. (laughs) At the end of the trail of white rooms, Alice finds Wesker and his meat dog pets. Because these meat dogs are getting a lot of airtime in these movies. Oh, Everyone meat likes dogs. them. I wish you were your old meat dog selves. Now you're just like CGI dogs. Well, real dogs were expensive and difficult. Yeah. yeah. To, for one thing, stop them from eating the meat on them. <laughs> That's so cute, though. <laughs> but it was a paradise for those dogs. They say, we love this job. We're covered in meat! <laughs> Alice is going to shoot him, but a sick-looking Bennett appears with a gun aimed at her. Yeah, he looks real bad. Yeah. I don't know what's happened to him, but... I don't either. There's no, like, slow-acting zombie thing. Like, (laughs) it's never explained why he looks like that. Stress, maybe? I don't know. Wesker explains that the T-virus helped him to survive, but now it's become too strong for him because he was in the plane explosion. And somehow that through the T-balance out of whack with the rest of his body. Yeah. Sure. We're about to get a lot of stuff that doesn't really make sense. So he inexplicably thought that feeding it fresh human DNA would help, as though it would replace his own DNA. Yeah, like replenish it somehow. That's not really how DNA works. And also, wouldn't you think it would just make it stronger because that's what the T-virus wants? Yeah. Now that Alice, who's the only person to successfully bond with the T-virus, has shown up, his plan is to eat her, which just seems insane. Again, use your brain, Wesker. You work for a science organization. Well, he doesn't act like it. Can I also point out that he should have had easy access to a lot of samples of Alice's blood? Because she, for a long time, and her clones were all property of Umbrella. Good point. He also should have had access to whatever it is he injected in Alice. I know! Even if it got rid of the T-virus, surely in later experiments you could give yourself dumb superpowers again. Yeah, surely Ian Glenn didn't steal all of whatever it was. Yeah. So his name in the series. Wow, yeah. Jorah Mormont. (laughs) So Alice isn't going to go along with this plan, obviously. So she disarms Bennett quite easily, and is then attacked by the meat dogs, who can now split open for some reason. Like, their whole, like, upper half of their body can split open, and there's, like, te- like some teeth in there, but not, like, tons of teeth. Not just, like, lot. occasional teeth. It seems like a really inefficient mouth. And it also seems like you're exposing a lot of uh, soft bits that Alice could easily kill. You are, yeah. Claire and Chris somehow appear behind Wesker. 
<sighs> this is not a room with lots of doors. No, I don't think so. <laughs> and he's sitting facing the one that Alice came through. I don't know how Claire and Chris managed to sneak around so that they could point a gun at him from behind. Well, there's a lot they don't explain. So they also don't explain why in the movies, Albert Wesker is familiar and angry with both of them. He knows a lot about them. Yeah. He knows the, who they both are, and he knows that they're brother and sister, and he knows that they have been apart previously and have just now been reunited. And he has a grudge against both of them. Weirdly. It makes more sense in the game. I mean, that's a thing in the game, but like it doesn't make sense here, and they never try to explain it. Yeah. Maybe this is part of Chris's backstory. Claire, yeah. I don't think, would have known Well, that's the thing. What? Yeah. Also, Wesker's eyes start glowing red. Just fun yeah. fact. Well, Yes. Yes, and he takes his glasses off, and he's like, I'm a dragon now, so it doesn't matter. He's got, like, dragon eyes. Yeah. We also get a really nice one-liner, I think, from him. I told you I'd be bringing a few friends. You should have brought more. So I like that one. That's I like good job. that. Yeah, that's perfect. Exactly what I want from this movie. Oh, yeah. Lines like that. Oh, yeah. So then the fight begins. Wesker's super speed is insanely fast. It's yeah. like Twilight Vampire fast. Yes, it is. The Redfields spend a lot of their time shooting at each other because of his super speed, because they have idiotically faced each other with him in the middle, and they're firing weapons at him that he's avoiding. How do they not shoot each other? Yeah, as soon as you realize that's what's happening, maybe, like, take steps to <laughs> mitigate that. Well, thankfully, they're fine the whole time. They both get trapped in tubes, though, leaving Alice on her own. She's still fighting the meat dogs, but she kills them very stylishly by kicking a sheet of glass through them. Yeah. That was a good, good nice. shot. And well-conceived for interesting death methods. Oh, yeah. Kmart kills Bennett in order to justify her existence in this film. Yep. She just appears, kills Bennett. Just barely did it. She can easily tell whose side she should be on just by yeah. glancing at the situation with no knowledge whatsoever. If you look at Kim Coates in this movie, <laughs> regardless of what point in the movie, you know that it's fine to kill him. <laughs> then she throws Alice a gun, which she uses to kill Wesker. She kills them so quickly, it really feels like an insult to the Redfields. Yeah. She calls them out of their tubes, but then we see that Wesker's not dead. So, not yes. not such an insult after all. Well, the Redfields stood there shooting him for a long time. Yeah. And they all did all body shots. I was like, those should all be headshots. Cut his head off. I, it did seem like there were better ways that they could have tried to kill him. But they just chose to shoot him full of bullets. Which, I guess, finishes him off? <laughs> they trap Bennett in the room with the carnage, and he's screaming for his release when he hears something behind him. I guess Wesker's not really dead. Oh, but he is hungry. <laughs> yeah, that's why he has to replenish that human DNA. Right, it only makes sense. <laughs> then we see a plane taking off with Wesker inside, because why get rid of a good villain when you've got another movie coming up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. what am I going to do? Create another one? There's only so many weirdo monsters we can think of. Exactly. He uses his controls from the plane to purge the facility, but somehow Alice saw this coming and put the device, the device that she easily that she found. she knew about and found and could easily transport. Yeah, put it on the plane so that it exploded instead. And the Redfields didn't know about this. They were real impressed when it happened. I know, right? And then for one thing, they figured out that what must have happened, not just that the plane exploded because of mechanical failure or something, but that Wesker must have pressed the explode facility device and Alice must have moved that device, of which there was only one, for the entire ship, to the plane so that he killed himself instead. It's a no-brainer. That's what I would have done. If I had had the time and knowledge and ability. Yeah. Also, Luther's alive. Unnecessarily. Yeah. We see him emerge from the sewers, but the action's all over, so that's it. That's all we see. Yeah, he's just standing in an open tunnel. Triumphantly. Yep. Emerging. And Alice, Claire, and Chris decide what to do next. Alice decides to make the message that was broadcast a reality. But as she records a new message of hope for survivors everywhere... A swarm of umbrella planes flies toward them, and credits roll. Yeah. Oh, 
But then we get our first mid-credit scene for this series, which I'm glad I watched through the credits because I would have missed it otherwise. Yeah. Because we haven't had any up to this point. <laughs> Guys, be consistent. Yeah. On the umbrella plane, a mind-controlled Jill Valentine is giving the order for the attack. And let me tell you, I had to look up who this was supposed to be on the Wikipedia page because I didn't remember what Jill Valentine looks like, especially not outside of her hooker gear. That's the thing. She's not wearing her outfit, and so it's hard to tell. Yeah. And that is Resident Evil Afterlife. They just keep getting better. <laughs> I like this one. I it's, do too. It's, uh, I think it's better than the second one, which is my least yes. favorite of the series. It's the most, that's the most obvious, like, we're just setting this up and per- turning this into a series now. Yeah, and I think it's better than the, the third one, too, actually. Yeah. I liked the fight scenes more. I liked Claire and Chris being there together, brother and sister, even though they couldn't. He, she couldn't remember that. And honestly, the plot is more coherent. The third one does, the plot is kind of weird and doesn't make sense. Yeah. I liked the prison, the fact that they decided to hole up in a prison. I liked Luther. Yeah. I was like, well, I liked Angel before he died. I know, was... me too. No, I, I love people trapped in a place by zombies. Dawn of the Dead. Give me that stuff any day. Classic. Yep. So this movie was, of course, a smashing commercial set success and critical failure. <laughs> it had a budget of $60 million, and it made $300 million. Wow. Nice. So, of course, there was a fifth one. And the critics hated it. I feel sorry. So here's what I feel sorry for. I feel sorry that the critics had to keep seeing these movies. I, I, why don't you just put a thumbs down on it? You can just tell, sit, watch this, put a thumbs down on it. You don't have to watch it. Just see that it comes out. Well, yeah, and the people that are going to go see this aren't caring what the critics... If they cared what the critics thought, they wouldn't have seen any of them. Yeah, exactly. This movie... No one is like, oh, Roger Ebert liked the fifth one? Okay. Yeah, I guess I'll check it out. Yeah, so I just feel like, you know, stop making the critics watch this movie. Just let people know it's out. Yeah, I mean, I feel like some movies critics really shouldn't have to watch. Or just, like, have one critic watch it and be like, oh, this is really bad. No one else needs to watch this. Like, Space Jam. Like, you could have told that was bad. Yeah. The Rotten Tomatoes summary for what the critics thought was, as dim-witted and lifeless as its undead antagonists... Resident Evil Afterlife is a wholly unnecessary addition to the franchise, which just goes mm. to show that the critics don't understand the franchise. Don't understand. Hard disagree on all of that. Yeah. There's no necessary to any of these movies. That's yeah. not the point. The first one was unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. And amazing. So, you know, just it just seems cruel. So they'll have to suffer through two more and possibly a reboot in the future. Yes. <laughs> So next up, we will be doing Priest. Starring Carl Urban. I know he's not the main star, but I listed him first, because in my heart, he's always first. Maggie Q. Trying to buy time while I think of this other guy's name. He's the most famous of them all. Paul Bettany. That's it. I was going to say, I thought it was a Paul Bettany movie. Yeah, it is. I should have been able to think of his name before now. Uh, and I think Lily Collins. Well, with a cast like that, how can you go wrong? Oh, we'll find out. So that's what's next on More Is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, email at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.